You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. All right, so today's walk talk title is Water Baptism Gone Wrong, Part 2. So before I get into this, let me go and get my introduction out of the way, just in case you're new to my ministry. My name is Matt McMillan. I am a Christian author. I've written seven books. Yes, I have been noticed on a walk talk. (laughs) People in my neighborhood, they knew what I did. So sometimes they would, um, you know, they would wave or they would see me on the road. So yeah. So um, yeah, so I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books. Check out all my books. They're available on Amazon and paperback and Kindle. If you've read any of my books, please go back to Amazon and leave me a quick review. I greatly appreciate that. I also have a podcast. I'm recording the latest episode live on Instagram. This is where I record my podcast. So I take these live walk talks and I put them on the podcast. The podcast. The name of, of the podcast is, you guessed it, <laughs> Walk Talks with Matt McMillan. If you're listening on the podcast in the future, please pause the podcast, leave me a quick review and then come back. All right. I'm also on YouTube, so I refurbish these on YouTube. If you enjoy watching on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. There are a lot of people on YouTube who do not listen to podcasts and are not on social media, so thank you for watching on YouTube. If you're new on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and give me a thumbs up, and if you want to be notified when I release a new Walk Talk or a new short, just hit the bell button. All right, I'm not a pastor. I'm a regular person just like you. The word pastor is only mentioned once in the New Testament epistles, and we don't see any surrounding qualifications. We don't see any surrounding authority. We don't see any duties even listed as a pastor. So the word pastor, what we see today on planet Earth as a position was actually created by Ignatius of Antioch in the first century, and he created the one bishop rule. Now it was called a bishop, then it was it devolved into this pastoral position as well. And they were also called elder, presbyter. And then by the 16th century, the Reformation, when that took off, the word pastor became the center of the church, the focus, even more so than Christ. So you don't have to be a pastor to talk about Jesus. And the reason why we see all of this happen today in regard to somebody with the title of pastor being in charge of everything is because of man-made tradition. So a lot of my ministry is focused on kind of diluting all that stuff so that you can have confidence in who you are and who Christ is and who you are together. All right. Now, if you want to contact me, please don't message me on social media. I don't normally interact with those. Now, I've received a lot of messages recently that there's fake profiles and they message you guys. Okay. That happens all the time on social media. And I get messaged so much about somebody with a fake profile I don't even have the the wherewithal to respond to all of them. So if you message me and tell me, hey, there's a fake profile, I appreciate that, but you don't have to, okay? Um, That's Instagram's problem, not mine. And I'm never gonna message you in regard to anything that has to do with anything on social media. I will not message you on social media, so you don't have to worry about that. Unless we've already interacted, then I might. Or if you're a close family member or friend, definitely going to. But you don't have to tell me that somebody's created a fake profile. Please stop doing that. (laughs) The messages I get about the fake profiles are so overwhelming. I even had to create a meme to where I don't even reply anymore. I just send the meme. I do not have a fake profile. And I've even done this today because these people are relentless. I pinned that meme on my profile. So if you think that it is me messaging you saying, oh, oh dear beloved one or whatever, it's it's weird. They send me screenshots of the actual conversations. Who talks like that? Nobody. So that right there should be a red flag. You know, I get people sometimes who are angry at me because I'm messaging them and, and now they're saying, I can't trust you. That's not me. <laughs> like, So if you are getting those messages Just think about it for a minute. If you have been listening to me, reading my stuff, reading my books, do you honestly think I would ever talk to you like that? Do you ever think I would actually message you and ask you for stuff? No, I'm not going to, but thank you. 
thank you. So sorry, I got a little triggered right there because this happens like every month about the same time of the month. Somebody creates a fake profile. Somebody screenshots my videos. Somebody, you know, saves my memes and then they just post it. And then, then they start following people asking for a follow back. And then they <laughs> start messaging you. It's not me. 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 All right. It's not me. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Pump your brakes, McMillan. All right. So if you do want to contact me, I'll be glad to interact with you. All you got to do is go to my website, go over to the contact page. I'll be glad to interact with you there. Now, while you're on my website, be sure to check out the topics page. I also get a lot of messages and I don't mind getting emails. I'm not saying don't contact me. I'm saying don't contact me about the fake profiles. Please reach out to me. If you do reach out to me, I welcome that. But when you reach out to me, do it via email. And then also while you're on my website, go to the topics page. You can search pretty much everything you're probably emailing me about because I've archived it archived everything. You can also search my YouTube channel. Google has indexed everything because I put really good details in the description. So you can actually search that on YouTube. You can find whatever Bible verse you're worried about. I've probably done a walk talk on it. I'm coming up on, I think this is 190 today. So I've been doing this a while. So I've got a lot of past walk talks that if you guys want to check out, please do. All right. So let's get to today. Walk talk. Water baptism gone wrong. Part two. Okay. So in part one of water baptism gone wrong, I went over some of the most commonly used Bible verses, which attempt to make people think they have to be submerged in water or have anything to do with water in order to complete your salvation. Okay. So go back and listen to that. Watch that. And the primary passages were um, uh, Acts 2.38 and also John 3.5. So I dove into those and I also talked about the difference in water baptism and spiritual baptism <laughs> because a lot of people don't understand the difference in those two things either. And this whole water works, water baptism, uh, second dose of the spirit, all this other stuff, it's all because of not the Bible. It's not the Bible's fault. It's not God's fault. Whose fault do you think it is? Us, men, people, humanity. Humanity has been screwing things up since the garden. That has everything to do with the gospel as well. So when you get into water baptism, spiritual baptism, whether you got all the spirit or none of the spirit, or you got to express the spiritual gift in order to prove that you get a second dose. It's because of us, man-made tradition. So we're going to talk about tradition today. Now, I'm not going over any of that stuff today. I am going to talk about one other passage that a lot of people will use. I'm going to talk about that here in just a few minutes, but let me back up for just a second. So when we go to the Bible and in the book of Acts, these geese are here. I'm over here by this golf course. Now these geese are flying over here. They're, I guess they're, check them out. They're landing on the pond here. That's a party now. Oh, maybe not a party. They're fighting. Yep. Check it out. Oop, oop, oop. Nope. They're running them off. <laughs> All right. So when we go to the Bible and we look at how water baptism um, is air quotes performed there, it's in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, <laughs> my first neighbor waving to me, wondering why I'm walking and talking with my phone in my face. <laughs> um, in the book of Acts. Every time we see somebody believe, they're water baptized. It was never separated. Belief, water baptism. Also, here's another thing when it comes to the book of Acts, and we see how water baptism is actually recorded. There was, there was no elaborate ceremony. There was no confession of faith. There was none of what we see today. It was just they believed and they were baptized. It was a sign of what you now believed. That's it. <laughs> so at some point in the second century, belief and water baptism were separated. Okay. In scripture, they're together. Now, when you first hear that, you're like, oh, I told you right there, McMillan, belief and water baptism. You got to do both to be saved. Eh, hold on. <laughs> 
we never see them being water baptized to be saved. It never completed anybody's salvation. It never finalized what you believed. The water baptism in scripture is pretty much what we see today as the sinner's prayer, which was created by D.L. Moody in the 19th century, a frontier revivalist, where you say something to, to let people know what you believe. Or you raise your hand in the crowd. You know, Billy Graham, another revivalist, love Billy, love you guys who are related to Billy Graham. I have friends who are related to Billy Graham, so I'm not talking bad about revivalists. I'm just saying, Billy Graham took what D.L. Moody did and he tweaked a little bit. Rather than the sinner's prayer, because there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. You believe. You are saved by hearing with faith, Galatians 3, 2. So Billy Graham said, every, every head bowed, every eye closed raise your hand if you want to receive the Lord Jesus. Lots of people have done that. So it was a sign of what you believed. In scripture, in the book of Acts, that's what water baptism is. It is a sign of what you believe. It never completed anybody's salvation. It was belief and then a description of water baptism. Belief, then a description of water baptism. It never said that this water baptism caused them to be saved. It was they believed and then they we're water baptized. That's the difference. Okay? So at some point in the second century, man-made tradition, humanity, began to <laughs> mess this up pretty badly. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. So the, I'm going to actually talk about five traditional man-made errors about water baptism today. And here they are. Number one, the first error. Water baptism was preceded by deep instructions. That's the first error. And I'm going to dive deep into these. So just bear with me for just a moment. I'm going to tell you the five. I'm going to talk about a little bit more uh, church history stuff. I'm going to go over 1 Peter 3.21. Then I'm going to talk about all five in great detail. So the first one is, I'm going to repeat it. Water baptism was preceded, which means before you could have water baptism <laughs> done to you, it was preceded by deep instructions. Okay. Number two. You had to prove yourself worthy of water baptism. Number three, water baptism became a rigid and embellished ritual. The third traditional man-made error about water baptism, water baptism became a rigid and embellished ritual. And number four, now get this one, water baptism could forgive sins. <laughs> that's where a lot of this came from. Water baptism forgives sins. Number four, that's from man-made tradition because that's not in the Bible. And I'm going to talk about that. And then the fifth one, <laughs> get this one. The fifth error about water baptism from man-made tradition, water baptism, after you had water baptism, or, hold on. Once you were baptized, <laughs> once you were water baptized, if you sinned, you could no longer be forgiven. Imagine that. So I'm going to go over those five in great detail. But first, I want to talk about 1 Peter 3.21. Because I talked about Acts 2.38 in part one. I also talked about John 3.5 in part one. But there's another passage. So Acts 2.38 is the primary passage that the water works theologists, theologians, <laughs> will go to. Acts 2.38, change your sin and be water baptized. So I talked about that in great detail. I'm not going over it again. Okay. Also, John 3.5. John 3.5, you, you must be born of water and spirit if you want to enter the kingdom. Talked about how that is error as well in regard to water baptize, water baptism. Because the word baptism is not there. <laughs> so when we take out an individual verse and we build a theology on it, we will struggle with tons of egregious error. Water baptism is a great example of that. And you also must keep in mind, the Bible was not written in chapters and verses. So if you want the true context for everything, you got to read all around it. You got to read the whole book. You got to read the whole letter. Chapters and verses were added much later for easy referencing. So we can find stuff easy. Okay. Okay, but there's another one that I told you I was going to talk about in part two. And here it is. 1 Peter 3, 21. I got you right here, McMillan. Water baptism now saves you. What do you got to say about that? It's also right there. Is it in the Bible? It's in the, oh, is it? Oh, I got gotcha. you. 
<laughs> I hear it all the time, read it all the time, see it all the time. It's in the Bible, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot of things in the Bible where if you just go and just, you know, take it out and then build a theology on it, you're going to struggle with a lot of errors. Not that you're not saved. It's that you're going to be struggling with whatever that error is that you're struggling with. First Peter 3.21 is no different. So water baptism now saves you. First Peter 3.21. Now, if you don't know this verse, you're like, well, that seems pretty simple. Water baptism now saves you. Baptism now saves you. But... This is in the middle of one verse. <laughs> it, you know, and most of the time, you know, I always say, pan back. If you're scared of a verse, read all around it. If you're still scared of it, read the whole letter. If you're still scared of it, get some history on what the context is behind that letter being written. Okay, but even in this passage, 1 Peter 3.21, all you really have to do is read the whole verse. In the beginning of this verse, it says, this symbolizes... <laughs> Water baptism that now saves you. Or this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. This water symbolizes baptism that saves you. Other translations say that now saves you. This, I'm going to repeat it again. <laughs> because many people who think you have to be water baptized to be saved, they'll go to this. <laughs> and let me, let me take a side note here for a second. A lot of people who see the waterworks theology as the end-all be-all, stop sinning, get water baptized, they think I'm telling you to keep sinning and don't be water baptized. So let me be perfectly clear. It is always a good thing to repent of your sins. Turn from your sins every time. Sinning is not natural for you as a holy person. You have the divine nature of God Almighty. But I don't need to get on here and increase your sin consciousness. I need to get on here and increase your righteousness consciousness. <laughs> you need to be trained up in your righteousness. That's what Paul told Timothy. So just because I don't talk about sin in, 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 the, in the case of stop sinning or you need to do this or you need to start that, you need to stop that, that doesn't mean that I'm saying sin, sin, sin away, sin, sin, sin away. No. Let me be clear. If you're going to stitch this, if you're going to make a YouTube video of me, YouTube this part. Every time you sin, repent. But every time you sin, you are never repenting in order to be forgiven again, or in order to maintain your salvation, or in order to get back in fellowship. <laughs> Turning from your sins every single time makes sense. Because you have the divine nature of God Almighty. Your old self was crucified, buried, resurrected. Romans 6, Galatians 2, Colossians 2. You are brand new. So when you sin, repent every time. Here, let's talk about water baptism for a moment. If you want to be water baptized, that is your freedom. There's n nothing I'm saying here against water baptism, but I'm saying Water does not save you. Water baptism cannot do what only grace and faith can do in what Christ has done. So when you sin, turn from it. As you do, you will mature. <laughs> but there is no, you could put it this way. You could sin 24-7, 365, and that will never overpower what Christ has done at the cross. Where sin abounds, Romans chapter 5, grace superabounds. Every individual on this entire planet who's ever lived for all time could be sinning every millisecond of the day. That is not more powerful than the Messiah's blood. You have to deal with that. You have to deal with it. Some people will go to Hebrews 10, 26. Oh, I got you right here. If you deliberately keep on sinning, McMillan, deliberate sins count. If it's a deliberate sin, you are crucifying the sin. Nope, 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 nope. You can't do that either because let's talk about Hebrews 10. Let's just talk about a couple of these because it's been a while since I've done this because this is such one-on-one stuff for me. I just don't even think about it. Hebrews 10, 26 is not directed at somebody who has trusted God. Read all the way through verse 29. These are people who are treating the new covenant as unholy, insulting the spirit of grace. Who is that? That's the Holy Spirit. 
and trampling on the Son of God. Why? Because they were going to the temple to receive forgiveness by way of animal blood. There is no sacrifice remaining for sins at the temple through animal blood. Hebrews 9 and Hebrews 10 is describing how the Jews received forgiveness once a year at the temple by way of animal blood. It would atone for sins. Christ comes along and he propitiates. He removes the need for animal blood sacrifices. But Hebrews 10, 26, these Hebrew people are saying, nope, he is not the Messiah. We're waiting on the Messiah. We will continue to go to the temple. Well, guess what? Now there's no temple. So now they wail at a wall, begging God to hurry up and send a new Messiah, <laughs> wanting the third temple to be built because the first one, which was built by which was built by Solomon, was, was destroyed by the Babylonians. Then a second temple was built. And then that temple was the temple during Jesus's time. And then that was destroyed in AD 70 by Rome. And there is no temple. So Hebrews 10, 26 is about temple work forgiveness. It's not talking about you sinning. <laughs> Your sins have been banished as far as the east is from the west. He, Hebrews chapter 8 says he chooses to remember your sins no more. So all of the... Calm down, McMillan. <laughs> all of these passages about your sinning takes the focus off of what Christ has accomplished at the cross. You have to deal with the fact that his blood is more powerful than all of your sins. So this is going to train you up in your righteousness. This is going to teach you the grace of God. This is why Paul told Titus, now get this. Some people are like, oh, you're telling people about grace. That's just a license to sin. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. What does scripture say about grace? Titus 2, 11 and 12. Now, if you want to write something down, write this down. It is the grace of God which teaches you how to live an upright, holy, self-controlled life. So the more you're struggling with sin, the more you need to dive deep into grace. What does that mean? Well, I'm sinning a lot. Oh, his grace is bigger. I'm sinning a whole lot. This is bad. Oh, his grace is bigger. Make grace bigger. And when you make grace bigger, you're making Jesus bigger. <laughs> and then this will teach you how to live an upright, holy, self-controlled life. All right, let's get back on track here. So just if you're new to my ministry, you're like, this guy doesn't ever talk about sin. Oh, I talk about sin, but I talk about Jesus in a greater way. This guy doesn't ever talk about repentance. Oh, I definitely talk about repentance. <laughs> Any Bible verse you want to use in an attempt to make Jesus' sacrifice seem less than you your sin. Calm down. Just say it. Just say it. <laughs> God's bigger. And Jesus is God. He is the image of the invisible God. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is in you and through you and with you and... You make a bigger deal of him, make a bigger deal of who you now are because of him. And you won't even, <laughs> the sin is still going to happen, but it's not the focus. Christ is the focus. <laughs> okay. So Acts 2.38 talked about that. John 3.5 talked about that. And then 1 Peter 3.21, baptism now saves you. Read before it. It says this symbolizes baptism now saves you. So it is symbolic. And then if you read after it, of a clear conscience, this is a sign of a clear conscience. And that was the whole deal in scripture. When you believe something new, you believed it. So you repented, you created metaneo. They didn't stop sinning. That wasn't the focus. <laughs> they changed their mind. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, he is the Messiah. And I'm trying to convince you to change your mind about the Messiah. And if you will commit metaneo, that I'm, com that I'm forgiven once and for all time, you have committed the repentance that saves. Then there is metanoia. Metanoia is changing your actions and attitudes. There were unbelievers committing metanoia in scripture. Two different types of repentance. But we have one English translation. Repent! So, the repentance for salvation righteousness began with the Frontier Revivalists. So be sure to search YouTube, search my YouTube channel for Frontier Revivalists, search my podcast channel. I went over that a lot. Okay, so repent and be saved, excuse me, repent and be baptized. Okay, 1 Peter 3.21 is symbolic. There's one, 
There's one translation that says, this is a picture. <laughs> I love that. So it's symbolic, it's a picture, it does not accomplish anything. And the reason why you think this, if you do, not you, but if the shoe fits where it, the reason why you think that water baptism completes your salvation is because of man-made tradition. And Paul said in Colossians 2.8, do not allow yourself to become captive to philosophy, motivational speakers, and tradition. And that's what we see today about water baptism. Because in scripture, in the book of Acts, every single time somebody believed, it was a sign of a clear conscience. It was a picture. It was symbolism of what they now believed. It's a good, it's a good thing. So if you want to be water baptized, do it. If you have already been, been baptized, great. But it is a picture. It is a symbol. It is a wonderful celebration. It is like celebrating a birthday, so to speak. Why would you not want to celebrate something amazing? But yet this celebration is not the actual day you're born. Do you see it? Same thing. Unless you believe the absolute instant you went under the water, <laughs> it, did. it wasn't the instant you believed. Okay, so this started with tradition. Okay, so let's talk about these five errors, these five traditional man-made errors about water baptism. Okay, so the first one, let's, let's go over this one. So number one. Water baptism was preceded by deep instruction. Okay, so in the second century this started, because this isn't in the Bible. In the book of Acts, do we see anybody getting deep instruction before they were water baptized? Do we see anybody being told this? Do you understand what this is, this is about to do? do you, are you ready for this? Are you sure you're ready for this? This is what this entails. And we, I've seen this many times, you know, we got the hot tub in the, in the church foyer and we got pastor or associate pastor or whoever they're getting ready to water baptize somebody and they give them deep instructions. And of course, you know, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, but this is not in the Bible. There are no instructions. There's no instructions. <laughs> There's no instructions. And this tradition of Deep instructions preceding water baptism began with man-made tradition in the second century. You know, today we see it. Do you understand that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he rose again? And do you accept that? Yes, I do. Do you understand that you have to turn from your sin and you have to live a life of repentance and faith? Do you understand that? Yes, I do. So do you publicly confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And are you willing to commit your life to him? Are you willing to do what it takes to follow Jesus? Are you willing to do all of this that God requires? Are you willing? Do you understand what you have to do now? Oh, yes. Okay, well, with that acknowledgement, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Down with the old, up with the new. We don't see this in the Bible. <laughs> and it's going to happen a bazillion times today. It's Sunday. And some people will hear me saying this. Oh, Matt's against baptism. Matt hates water baptism. <laughs> I don't. I just spent three or four minutes telling you that I think it's a great thing. But this instruction of this person being water baptized is not in the Bible. And in part one of water baptism gone wrong, I went over four or five particular instances in scripture where somebody believes and then is instantly water baptized. We see no instruction for anything. They believed and they were water baptized hand in hand. Okay. All right. Number two, the second man-made traditional error about water baptism you have to prove yourself worthy of water, bapti water baptism, if I could talk. The second error, you have to prove yourself worthy of water baptism. You got to prove yourself. War <laughs> we see this so much today because there are certain denominations who will not let you be water baptized 
if you are doing a particular sin or struggling with a particular sin or in denial about a particular sin, they won't let you be water baptized. <laughs> You're not allowed. You got to prove yourself worthy of water baptism. Your life is meticulously scrutinized. You have to prove that you are worthy to be water baptized. And then when it is approved by the pastor and the deacon board or the elder board, they're going to have a meeting and they're going to let everybody know, yes, this person could be water baptized. By the third century, this became so bad that young people had to wait up to three years because their life was so meticulously scrutinized. You had to prove your worthiness through righteous behavior and holy conduct. Oh, a true man of God, worthy of water baptism, come forth. Oh, yes, you have proven yourself among all your peers. Down into the water, <laughs> up again. Think about that. Where's Jesus in any of that? Where's Christ? Christ has made you worthy. Colossians says, the Father has made you worthy. Oh, there's not one worthy, McMillan. It says it right here in the book of Romans. There's not one worthy, not one. I know, that's describing an unbeliever. <laughs> Stop applying Bible verses describing an unbeliever to believer, to believers. <laughs> You are worthy. Unbelievers are not worthy. You know, early on in the book of Romans, you know, Romans 1 through 5 is Paul explaining how nobody is worthy apart from faith in Christ. We got the Gentiles who did not have the law, but had the righteous requirements of the law written on their consciences. So they knew that they weren't worthy and would need to believe a creator, the creator. And then you got the Gentiles, excuse me, then you got the Jews, the Jews who had the law, but they were not following the law perfectly. So the law was meant to shut their mouth to prove that they were not worthy. And then <laughs> Romans chapter six happens. Your old self dies, crucified with Christ, buried in the tomb with Christ. Buried in baptism. This is a great passage to talk about baptism, the spiritual baptism. Baptism means to place inside of. So in Romans chapters one through five, you see, I'm not worthy. And then <laughs> Romans chapter six, everything about you that was not worthy and on its way to hell was crucified. Now you're worthy. So you're worthy. The father has caused you to become worthy. So stop saying I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy, Lord. I'm not worthy. Stop. You're worthy. You might not have some worthy actions and attitudes, but you are not your actions and attitudes. Get your identity right, and then your actions and attitudes will follow organically. You know, if you're not worthy, what, what are you doing? You're supposed to fake your worthiness? Like, you see what I'm saying? You got to understand what the cross and the resurrection has done to you. The cross has forgiven you. The resurrection has caused you to become righteous. He became sin so that you could become righteous. 2 Corinthians 5. He does not hold your sins against you. Why? Because all of your sins were absorbed by him in the cross. On the cross. So you're worthy. Okay, you don't have to prove yourself worthy in order to be a baptismal candidate. So you have great. It's just don't, big man. Just don't do it. Keep your impersonations to yourself. <laughs> Some people like my impersonations. Other people are like, that's how I talk. <laughs> Love y'all. Hopefully, hopefully I'm not hurting anybody's feelings today. Okay, number three. The third traditional man-made error about water baptism. Water baptism became a rigid an embellished ritual. It became an actual ritual. So what was meant to be really simple, you believe? Oh, there's water right here. What prevents me from being water baptized? Nothing prevents me. Let's have, a, <laughs> there's water right here in this pond right here next to me where I was just showing you these geese earlier who were fighting. You know, if I was walking down the road here and somebody was with me and it was the first century um, and they told me about Jesus, I'd say, what would prevent me from being water baptized? They'd say nothing. Let's do it. And I'd go over here and I'd get wet right, right, right here in this water right here. Okay, that's how it was. It was not an embellished 
stiff as a board ritual. Oh, you got all, oh, you know. It wasn't like that. But by the second century, the third century and on, it had become a, a, a ritual. It is not a ritual. It does not. It does not. <laughs> oh. It doesn't cause anything. Okay, so in these rituals, I was going to say something else. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I know what it's like to hear stuff that is contrary to what you believe. And if you can hear it in a softer way, you just, you, you'll, you'll actually think about it. <laughs> but if somebody is super sarcastic or super aggressive, they don't care what you have to say. They're not going to hear it. So that's, you know, I know I can start to lean that towards that way. And I try to just reel it back in. Come on. Always let your gentleness be evident to all Macmillan. <laughs> okay. So, all right. This ritual that they created, this man-made tradition of water baptism becoming an actual ritual, here's some of the things they would do. They would bless the water. Oh, bless the water. And what does that mean, by the way? Let me bless you. Oh, stand up and I want to bless you. Stop. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing on this side of the cross because of Christ. So when somebody says, let me bless you, you come on. That's... <laughs> we don't see that. Okay? So they blessed the water as in, they, I guess they stood over it and, oh, water, water. I don't know. But they blessed the water <laughs> during this ceremony. They would also, here's another thing. This person would become completely disrobed. <laughs> you would get naked. Okay? Completely naked. You would be disrobed. The water would be blessed. You would be anointed with oil. Then you would have demons cast out. Because you could not be water baptized without all this happening. Oh, and then you have to recite a creed. You have stuff to say. So you got to say this stuff. You got to let people touch your naked body. Uh, you got to get stuff smeared on you. And, and then, oh, yes. Oh, yes. And you come up out of the water. Oh, I am now whatever <laughs> but it became an embellished ritual it, we don't see any of that stuff in the bible <laughs> but that has it's become an embellished ritual today even today you know and i love that people still get baptized and i love that people are like i'm getting baptized you want to show up you want to come yes i'd love to be there i'd love to do that thank you for inviting me but this whole ritual of water baptism, I know it hurts people's feelings that I say this and I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but water baptism is not a ritual. Water baptism is not a ceremony, <laughs> according to the Bible. If you want to have it as a ceremony, just understand you're just using your Christ Christian freedom to do that. It does not. And when you just go to the Bible, just go to the Bible, go to the Bible, You're supposed to do it by the book, right? But, but we hear man-made tradition and we see man-made tradition for so long, we just believe it as true. This includes this ceremony and there's no ceremonies. It's not embellished. It's not st stiff as a neck or stiff as a board, stiff neck. You know, it's, it's, you believe? Cool. Let's, let's, let's get you over here. There's water over here. There's water all over around me in my new neighborhood here. <laughs> Somebody could be water baptized there. You know, it would be great if there were some family and friends that showed up for that. But that began with man-made tradition. All right, let's go to number four. Number four, the fourth man-made traditional error about water baptism. Get this. Water baptism could forgive you of your sins. That super triggers me. Water baptism could forgive you of your sins. <laughs> Water, this is not in the Bible, but this is why so many people think this is because it's so old. It's got to be true. Just because something's old doesn't mean it's true. There are a lot of things that are old. <laughs> it's true if it's based on the gospel and the gospel is not a waterworks theology. You know, John the Baptist who baptized unbelieving Jews or believing Jews or just Jews, period, before the cross, 
He did this. They would meet him out in the wilderness, and he, he would say, you brood of vipers, you're doing a terrible job of following the law. Produce fruit and keeping up with repentance. What does that mean? It means show that you're obeying the 613 commandments better. Yes, I will do that. And then they would recommit themselves. They would be baptized as a what? Sign of a clear conscience. We see this in First Peter 3.21. And then off they go. Where's the belief? Where is I'm trusting Jesus? Where is Jesus in any of this stuff? Think about it. But this part right here, this water baptism could forgive you of your sins is probably the worst out of all of these. This fourth error. This is man-made tradition, which started in the second century. And it is just like a tornado of finkel matter everywhere there is no amount of water in all of the universe that can wash away your sins there is no amount of water anywhere in if there's multiple universes that can do what the blood of jesus can do once by grace through faith and he has done it hebrews chapter 1 says after he provided purification for sins he sat down Hebrews chapter 9 says he presented his blood in the real temple in heaven. He is not offering his blood again and 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 again. It is finished. He is not doing this every single time you repent of a sin or get water baptized. He is not doing anything else about the sin of the world. God now deals with humanity on the basis of kindness. It is the kindness of God which will lead people to new belief, not thinking you got to be submerged in water in order to receive forgiveness. Are you just saying everybody's forgiven? No, everybody is not forgiven. It takes two parties to reconcile. If I reconcile to somebody, but they do not reconcile back to me, they're like, nope, we are not reconciled. And Paul told the Corinthians, be reconciled. We plead with you as ambassadors of Christ, be reconciled. The, the deal is done. Accept it by grace through faith. Christ is not going to die again. He's not going to deal with the sin of humanity again. Hebrews 9, 26 through 28 is a beautiful picture of this. It says Christ would have to suffer since the foundation of the planet if this were not the case. But he dealt with sin once and for all time in the sacrifice of himself. And now he will return, get this, without reference to sin for those who are eagerly awaiting him. So you do not need to be afraid because the only thing you would need to be afraid of is your sins. But guess what? He has absorbed them, propitiated them, banished them. They're gone. So you're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to figure out a much different reason to change your immature actions and attitudes than think, oh, God's going to get me when he comes back. What's judgment day for? Judgment day is coming back and he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. Oh, we will all stand and give an account. McMillan says it right there. Yes, we will all stand and give an account. But when a Christian, a child of God, a member of the family of God stands in front of the father, he will not judge them for their sins. Who gave an account for sins? Christ gave an account for sins. So who's going to give an account for sins? Those people who say, look what I did, God. Look what I did. Did I not prophesy? Did I not cast out demons? Did I not perform miracles? Look at, every, look at everything I did for you, God. Jesus is going to be standing right there and he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. You never did any of that in my name. You did it in your own name. So we have to come to the understanding that when judgment day comes, Christians do not give an account of what God has chosen to remember no more. Unbelievers will. And it will not be a good day. He's going to say, depart. 
And for you who have believed, you have nothing to worry about. Why? Jesus. Yeah, but it's a lot. Jesus. Yeah, but it's a big one. Jesus. Yeah, but it's a license to sin. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Point to Jesus. <laughs> because here's the thing. If you think that some level of righteousness will cause the creator to allow you to come in or to earn greater rewards, good flipping luck. Because the, the scriptures say that perfectly clear. Your righteousness is like filthy rags, apart from faith in Christ, of course. But for us, we have the righteousness of Christ. And we see in Matthew chapter 20, when we all line up because our father is very generous, we all get rewarded the same. There are not different levels of rewards. There is no beam seat where somebody gets the gold, the silver, the bronze, and then the rest, rest of us wretches are in the crowd cheering them on. None of that. The beam seat is for the Jewish people to judge people according to the law. There's no beam seat in heaven. Are you saying there's not a great white throne? Yeah, the, the throne is great. The throne is white. Christ sits on it, but you are seated in Christ on that throne right now. You are seated in heavenly places, the book of Ephesians tells us, and Christ is on the throne. So you are not approaching the throne repeatedly. You are on the throne because you are in Christ, and Christ is seated in heaven, and you are in him, and he's in you, and everybody's in the Father. You're one. <laughs> Stop focusing on the fear. Stop focusing on the sin. Stop focusing on... Your, your works? Oh, you're just saying people don't have to have work. No, the works are going to come naturally. The works will come as you rest. You work from a state of rest. You don't work to attain something in the next life. You work because it is God who works in you and through you. It is you and God together, a vine and a branch. And the last thing that's going to happen on your judgment day is God's going to say, oh, you got water baptized? Oh, yeah, you're good to go. Come on in. That water on that date forgave you of your sins. Yep, come on. Poppycock. <laughs> Poppycock. Garbage. Trash. Dumpster fire trash. God does not look at whether or not you were dunked in water. <laughs> and it definitely did not forgive you of your sins. All right, let's go on to one other thing about water baptism can forgive you of your sins. The Bible tells us Hebrews 9, 22. Uh, now get this. If you've never heard this before, because if you've been talked, taught a water works theology, the book of Hebrews is ignored a lot, except for Hebrews 10, 26, and maybe Hebrews six, because both of them, they could seriously take out of context to create some fear. But Hebrews chapter nine says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. I will repeat that. Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, without blood being shed, there is no forgiveness. In the book of, Ale in the book of Leviticus chapter 17, blood represents life. And we lost life. And then we receive life through the shedding of the blood of Jesus. Christ is not repeatedly shedding blood on a cross in heaven when you were submerged. When you were submerged, you were submerged because you wanted to do it. <laughs> and God saw it as a beautiful thing, but God knows that it was your faith that saved you. Not being submerged. It was your faith that forgave you. Not being submerged. Okay. Number five. This is a bad one too. The fifth error, the fifth traditional man-made error about water baptism. Oh my gosh. If you sinned after being water baptized, you cannot be forgiven. <laughs> it, does that not sound like the most demonic theology ever? I, it's up there in the top three for me. If you sin after being water baptized, you cannot be forgiven. Oh my gosh. <sighs> Too late for me. Screw it. I'm done with all this. Oh, this ain't true. I don't care about any of this Christian stuff. You see where it goes? You either get scared or you get mad. Because if you get... <laughs> There's a third option. If you get arrogant about it, oh yeah, I don't sin anymore. I was water... Oh, that's not a sin. Oh, nope. Nope. 
Not a sin. I was water baptized. I don't sin anymore. Do you see it? It's crazy. We sin all the time, but we're forgiven. <laughs> we don't need to say we don't sin. We just need to say I'm forgiven. And that was probably a bad choice. <laughs> so help me, God. And thank you that I'm already forgiven. Not, will you forgive me again? No, I'm not going to sacrifice my son again. Do you see it? Water baptism doesn't do anything <laughs> in regard to preventing you from sinning again. Water baptism has been turned into something that is nowhere to be found in scripture, especially saying if you if you sin after being water baptized, you cannot be forgiven. Here's what happened with that. So you got the people who are really afraid, and then you got the people who are like, I'm done with this Christian crap. And then you got the people who are super arrogant. I I don't sin anymore. I was water baptized. But then you get this other category. <laughs> we get people who will wait until the closest point of death before being water baptized so that they can receive the maximum benefit. They put it off. Constantine even did this. Constantine was not water baptized until he was near death because he wanted the maximum benefits of his forgiveness because water bap baptism... If you forgive after water baptism, you cannot be forgiven. Or if, if you sin after water baptism, you cannot be forgiven. What's this do? Where's Jesus? What's the point of the cross? <laughs> What's the point of the gospel? You know, when he's hanging up there on the cross, just tattered and torn and bloody. and <laughs> Where is he? Where's, where, where is that in such a theology? No, there's no focus on Jesus whatsoever. There's a focus on you, your spiritual navel, your good works, everything you're doing, everything you're not doing. You better hurry up. Oh, you better start. Oh, you better stop. Oh, no grace, no rest, nothing. It's about yourself. And <laughs> good luck if you think that after you were water baptized, that if you sin again, you can't be forgiven because one sin would keep you out of heaven. One, just one. The wages of sin is death. So you would have to die. You would have to be spiritually dead for all of eternity after that. In the same way, you receive righteousness. It's a free gift of righteousness. The wages of sin is death. But just like that, you can also receive free righteousness. We see this in Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 6. And then you don't have to worry about being forgiven. Now here's one thing. Once you understand grace, the last thing you worry about, you're going to have plenty of things to worry about, trust me. <laughs> you know, the, your anxiety about stuff is not just going to instantly, oh, never worry. No, you're, you're, but you're going to have this relationship, this vine in the branch. But here's one thing you're never going to have to worry about. Am I forgiven? Am I truly forgiven? I need to know, am I forgiven, Lord? I stopped that sin the best I could. I was water baptized a second time because I didn't think the first time stuck. I've done everything I possibly can do. But am I forgiven? I've gone to the place. I've stopped the thing. I've done the work. I've gone to the other countries. I've seen the people. I've done the stuff. But am I forgiven? Yes. He will reply with a resounding yes. 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 Look at Jesus. Jesus forgave you. That's where it's at. That's where your forgiveness is at. And it's finished. So everything that you're going to have to worry about, it's not going to be that. It's not going to be your forgiveness. It's not going to be your righteousness. It's not going to be a progressive righteousness, progressive sanctification. The only thing that can sanctify you, Hebrews chapter 13 says, is the blood of Jesus. And Jesus is not repeatedly pouring out his blood again and again in order to make you more sanctified. 
You have been sanctified. Hebrews 10, 10, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. You are not being sanctified. All of the ongoing sanctification passages are about people who will believe in the future, not you. Because Christ is not pouring out his blood in order to cause you just a little little, little, little bit of dab of sanctification today. Oh, you screwed up. Nope, got to come back a little bit of dab of sanctification. Oh, you're definitely doing a good job. Let me, ooh, I'm giving you a big dose of sanctification today. Do you see it? More calm down more tradition more man-made error because the good news of the gospel of your complete sanctification is just too dang good it's too good it's too good it can't be that good you cannot be completely sanctified scripture says i am you cannot be completely holy scripture says i am you cannot be completely righteous scripture says i am you cannot be completely forgiven scripture says i am you cannot be seated in christ right now scripture says i am you cannot be glorified scripture says i am glorified no we'll be glorified later oh that's not what that's not what the book of romans says you've been glorified as well well what's gonna happen later you're gonna get a new body you're gonna get a new physical body so are you saying that i can't be cremated well there are christians (laughs) who are blown up in war washed away in floods eaten by animals you think god cannot remake you a physical shell Stop this error about cremation. I can't be cremated because God's got to reuse this body. Stop it. More tradition. (laughs) So yeah, you, uh, you're going to sin again after water, after water baptism, but you're already forgiven. You know, this event of water baptism, this event of water baptism has been, has evolved, has devolved and <laughs> not evolved, devolved. It's gotten worse. You know, the theory of evolution, uh, by the way, that's a theory. So if evolution is a theory, what does that tell you? It is the thought of a man. So many people, they stand on evolution. Evolution is true. It's all logic. Oh, is it? Who created evolution? Hmm. Okay, think about it. That's logical. (laughs) Who created that individual human who came up with the theory of evolution? Evolution is not true. It is a theory. And there is a creator who created that human who came up with that theory. And it is Yahweh. It is the God of the Bible. It is who we trust. And here's another quick side note with evolution. Evolution falls flat. Because by the time that little polywog, which turned into a bigger polywog, which turned into a bigger little wallywog, well, by the time it got to the baby stage, it couldn't take care of itself. So stop. Evolution is error. Evolution is demonic. Evolution was created by an individual who hated the Bible. And it was his life's goal to disprove Christianity. Charles Darwin is a staunch atheist. So get away from evolution. (laughs) The true logic is something created this besides a... Something that was already here. (laughs) This is why the Bible says you have to have faith in the one who created everything. I'm I'm getting off that. Just get off of it. Get back to it. Get back to it. Man, I'm off on so many different rabbit trails today. Okay, let's get back to it. Let's get back to it. This event of water baptism has devolved into a work. It is a works-based salvation, a waterworks-based salvation. And originally, it was an act of grace. It was, I believed, there's a puddle of water here. Dip me in that. It is a sign of what you believe, a sign of a clear conscience. That was it. But man-made tradition has done this. And man-made tradition has screwed everything up. (laughs) Because that's what we do. You know, that's why I say in my introduction, you know, I didn't say it today, but normally I'll say, I don't know everything. I don't know everything. I don't have to know everything. Some ministries are set up on knowing everything. I know it all. I am the smartest new covenant teacher in the history of people. And I'm just like done with that. 
Like there's no emotions. <laughs> no, I might be wrong. Just I know it all. You know, <laughs> so I say I don't know everything. The gospel is not about knowing everything. It's about knowing Jesus. And we know him from the instant of salvation. He writes his laws, not law, on our heart and mind. The book of Hebrews tells us. But we have to understand this was originally a graceful event of somebody believing and we're water baptized. That's it. But we see what we see today because of man-made tradition and it's bad. (laughs) It's bad. Some people think that because they have not been water baptized, they're not completely saved. Friend, let me tell you today, you receive the spirit by hearing with faith. Galatians chapter three, verse two. You received the spirit of God, of Christ, by hearing and then believing. Oh no, it says if you confess with your mouth. Yes, it does say that in Romans chapter 10. But this is written to the Romans who were used to saying, Caesar is Lord, Caesar is Lord. So they knew that if they said, Jesus is Lord, it would click with them. Some people don't have a voice box. Can God not save them? Some people don't have a tongue. Can God not save them? What if I didn't raise my hand high enough in the crowd when every head was bowed and every eye was closed? Did I not get saved completely? I'm still sinning. I need to go back to that revival. Oh, there's another revival in the other church. There's a, uh, in the other state. Oh, there's a big one down there. I'm going to make that trip. Are you going to go to that trip? Let's go. Let's go. And then it's all about everything except for Christ. It's all about everything about what has already happened to you. If you want to go to those events, go, but just know I've believed I'm saved. If you want to be water baptized, be water baptized, but just know I've believed I'm saved. It's not causing your forgiveness. (laughs) It's not causing you to sin less. Some people think, oh, I'm still sinning. So I probably need to get water baptized again. Do you see it? No focus on Jesus. Nothing. And here, here's what's really interesting. I'm going to finish this up with this right here because I can talk about this for a long, long time today. Here's what's super interesting. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 1.14. This is in the Bible, by the way. 1 Corinthians 1.14. The Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament letters, <laughs> he said this. I thank God I did not baptize any of you. I'm going to repeat it for emphasis. In the Bible, the Apostle Paul said, I thank God I did not baptize any of you. Why would he say that? Because they were looking to who baptized them in order to say, no, he baptized me. Oh, he baptized me. Oh, he's better. He baptized me. Some people... I've had people reach out to me in the past say, hey, will you baptize me? Why? (laughs) It doesn't matter who baptizes you. It's a celebration. And Paul said, I thank God I didn't baptize any of you. So why would Paul say that? Read three three verses later. 1 Corinthians 1.17. Here it is. Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Christ, you know, knocked him off his horse on the road to Damascus. Whether he was, oh, he didn't knock him off the horse. He just fell. Okay, whatever. He fell off the horse. His interaction with Jesus. And then Jesus trained him after that. And then Paul came back into town and he met up with all the other apostles and he said, this is what I'm hearing from the risen Christ. Is this true? And they were all afraid of him because he he was formally dragging them from, from their homes. He gave hearty approval to the first martyr, Stephen. He was there. Think about what Paul had to deal with. The guilt in his mind of what he was doing to the gospel message, to what saves 
think about the guilt that he had to deal with. And he said, I thank God I didn't baptize any of you. You guys are focusing on these super apostles, air quotes. That's in 2 Corinthians. But it's not about the person. It's not about the person. It's not about the event. It's not about the H2O. It's not about having the water blessed. It's not about disrobing and being anointed with oil and having demons cast out of you so you know it sticks. You know, all this trash. <laughs> it's about 1 Corinthians 1.17. Christ sends us to preach the gospel. What's the gospel? The good news. The message. You know, it means a message because there are multiple gospels. But the good news of the gospel is the gospel message about Jesus. That is what saves. So when I get on here and I do these walk talks or when you hear somebody speak or when you read something or somebody, I have lovely friends who make awesome TikToks, awesome reels, awesome social media posts where the focus is on Jesus. That is what saves. And if you haven't believed yet, continue to hear this message about Jesus. Continue to hear, continue in the faith. Because at some point you're going to believe if you continue to hear, if you continue to hear, if you continue to hear. Not if you continue to anything else. <laughs> because hearing with faith saves you. And it solidifies what you already believe because the Holy Spirit's going to be in you and the Holy Spirit's going to be agreeing with this. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Nope, that's not true. That's, yep, that's true. And then you can get some stuff that's just your conscience is seared by egregious error. So you got to decipher, is this my conscience that I've been trained with because I've sat under this error or does this match up with the gospel? And that's what Paul did when he came back into town. And the disciples are like, yep, that's it. And he was like, yep, that's it. Okay, then let's do this. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's preach the gospel. You know, and then Paul was even so bold as to, you know, confront those who walked with Jesus because they were going back on the gospel, you know, such as Peter refusing to eat with the Galatians. Paul called him out on it. Then you got James, the James gang, James, the James gang coming in in Galatia as well. Then you got James in the, in the book of Acts where James was described as a believing Pharisee and Paul confronted him there. Well, it wasn't really a confrontation, but he overlooked what he said because James gave him a letter and said, you need to go back to the Gentiles and you need to tell them, yep, Jesus is great, but you still need to abstain from sexual immorality and don't, don't eat anything that's been strangled. You got to do this stuff. You, if you can still believe in my brother, but Paul didn't do it. <laughs> Paul ignored that letter. So you can see he's ignoring all of these things that oppose the good news of the gospel. So that's what the Holy Spirit does in you when you hear something that you know this is not true. This takes the focus off of the cross and the resurrection. This takes the focus off of who I am. Water baptism can be way up there. Oh, so, all right, guys, um, be sure to sign up for my free daily devotional. If you're listening on the podcast, you can pause it. It's in the show notes and there's a link that you can sign up for the free daily devotional. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you can go to my website. There's a link on my channel. Just go to the free daily devotional tab. So I hope this has encouraged you today. I hope it's brought to light maybe some error about water baptism, you should always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? You're righteous. You're holy. You're blameless. You're a new creation. You're a child of God. There's nothing wrong with you. And you are awesome. Always tell the truth about yourself. Always be yourself. Love y'all. Bye. You too. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.